Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Why are temple ordinances not mentioned in the Book of Mormon? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we've been looking at statements made about the Book of Mormon containing the fullness of the gospel. And as Joseph Fielding Smith said, the 10th president of the church, fullness of the gospel pertains to the ordinances that are necessary to receive exaltation in the celestial kingdom. Well, if there's something that is suspiciously missing in the Book of Mormon, it seems to be the temple endowment. It's not that there aren't temples mentioned in the Book of Mormon, for there surely are, and we're going to talk about that. But why are not temples and their use mentioned in a similar way that modern Latter-day Saints view their temples? Bill, there's an article in the Liahona magazine from July of 1984 written by Monty S. Nyman. He was a professor of ancient scripture at Brigham Young University. He also was the president of Southern Virginia University, a Mormon university in Virginia. He passed away in 2011, but he is going to answer in this July 1984 article. The question he's answering is, since the Book of Mormon contains the fullness of the gospel, why is there no mention of temples or temple work? What you just asked, Bill. This is how he starts off. To answer this question, we must first understand what is meant by fullness of the gospel. In the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord stated three times that the fullness of the gospel was contained in the Book of Mormon. And the angel Moroni declared to Joseph Smith that the Book of Mormon contained the fullness of the gospel. And then he's going to go to Scripture, the Pearl of Great Price, Joseph Smith History, chapter 1, verse 34, and this is what the angel allegedly said to Joseph Smith. He said there was a book deposited, written upon gold plates, giving an account of the former inhabitants of this continent and the source from whence they sprang. He also said that the fullness of the everlasting gospel was contained in it as delivered by the Savior to the ancient inhabitants. Well, first of all, we have to understand how would Joseph Smith understand that word, fullness, if the angel Moroni really used that word in this apparent conversation? Well, this takes place in 1823. That's what we're told. Around five years later, Webster would come out with his 1828 dictionary. It was the American Dictionary of the English Language. So what we can do is we can look at what Noah Webster said the definition of the word fullness was, and, and I would hope by that we would see how Joseph Smith would have understood that word. According to Webster, fullness, the state of being filled so as to leave no part vacant, the state of abounding or being in great plenty, abundance, completeness, the state of a thing in which nothing is wanted, perfection. Now, those are the only three definitions that would have anything close to what we're trying to figure out here. But it seems like Joseph Smith would have understood that word coming from this angel as meaning it has the complete message that we would need. Now, when it talks about 
the teaching of Jesus when he comes over to the new world, you find a lot of that in Third Nephi in the Book of Mormon, towards the end of the Book of Mormon. And when we go through all those teachings that Jesus had for them at that time, we certainly do not see a lot of the unique things that Joseph Smith brings about later on, which makes us wonder, should he have done that? If Jesus isn't mentioning any of these things, and they're supposed to be important, why does Joseph Smith include them? Now, one of the things, as we mentioned, is temple building. We know that there were temples mentioned in the Book of Mormon. In fact, we find in 2 Nephi chapter 5, verse 16, it says, I and I, Nephi, did build a temple, and I did construct it after the manner of the temple of Solomon, save it were not built of so many precious things, for they were not to be found upon the land. Wherefore, it could not be built like unto Solomon's temple. But the manner of the construction was like unto the temple of Solomon, and the workmanship thereof was exceedingly fine. Notice, but the manner of the construction was like unto the temple of Solomon. Is that a reference to the blueprint of Solomon's temple? It was built like Solomon's temple. Now, you would think Nephi, since he doesn't leave the old world till around 600 B.C., when the Babylonians are about to conquer Jerusalem, he would have been familiar with the Temple of Solomon because it would have existed at that time. And we even know what Solomon's Temple looked like. It's no secret. There was a great court or outer court. There was a holy of holies. There was an altar of incense. There was a place for the table of showbread. There was an upper or inner court. There was a bronze altar. Are we to believe that Nephi built a temple similar to this? If he did, what were they doing with it? Because this certainly seems to be built for the implementation of animal sacrifice, which is what we know went on in the Old Testament. Animals were sacrificed. But yet we don't find anybody in the New World coming over with Lehi including his sons, none of them were of the tribe of Levi. None of them were sons of Aaron. They would not have been able to offer sacrifice in a temple like that. There should not have been a temple like that if it was built after the manner of Solomon's temple because that was the one temple that God authorized. He authorized no other. Uh, Bill, uh, Joseph Fielding Smith, the 10th president of the church, in his book, Answers to Gospel Questions, volume 1, page 124, talks about what you're talking about here. The Nephites were descendants of Joseph. Lehi discovered this when reading the brass plates. He was a descendant of Manasseh, and Ishmael, who accompanied him with his family, was of the tribe of Ephraim. Therefore, there were no Levites who accompanied Lehi to the Western Hemisphere. Under these conditions, the Nephites officiated by virtue of the Melchizedek priesthood from the days of Lehi to the days of the appearance of our Savior among them. But yet the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, that, that's made up. See, that's made up. That's not even specifically mentioned in the Book of Mormon. They, they called it something else, some say, and then they changed it to the Melchizedek priesthood later on. Well, it's a horrible argument. It's awfully weak, but they have to come up with something because the Melchizedek priesthood is absolutely essential for Mormon males if they hope to receive exaltation, and yet it's not spelled out in the Book of Mormon as it's taught in the LDS Church today. You would never get any indication by reading merely the Book of Mormon 
that they had an elaborate Melchizedek priesthood as the LDS Church does today. And it is a salvific issue, as is temple participation. Uh, Let me read a little more of Monty Nyman's article. This is what uh, he continues to say. While there are no references to the specific ordinances performed in the temple, the Book of Mormon contains the same teachings as does the Bible concerning the basis of temple work. The Lord established the basic foundation for temple work in the Book of Mormon and left the specific teachings about exaltation within the celestial kingdom to the doctrine and covenants. Another ordinance associated with temples was also left for the enlargement in the doctrine and covenants. This is the marriage ceremony for time and all eternity. Although the Book of Mormon does not teach this important doctrine, there is an inference in the Book of Mormon, that such marriages were performed. And then he cites from the book of 4th Nephi 1.11, written by Mormon, this is what it says. And they were married and given in marriage, and were blessed according to the multitude of the promises which the Lord had made unto them. He is implying that 4th Nephi 1.11, when it says they were married and given in marriage, that somehow this is implying that they were involved in temple marriage? The word temple isn't even mentioned in 4th Nephi. You have to have quite an imagination to bring the two together. This is what Mormon scholars have to do because they find themselves between a rock and a hard place. Words like fullness and exaltation are mentioned by these leaders, but yet when we challenge them to prove your point, they come up with these very vague explanations. Let me read his conclusion. I found this to be very interesting. This is what he writes in summary, he says. In summary, the reason that more is not revealed in the Book of Mormon about temples and other ordinances which will bring exaltation is probably explained in the nature of revelation. The scriptures may be termed, quote-unquote, open revelation, or revelation that is available for all who are interested to read, The temple, on the other hand, may be termed, quote-unquote, closed revelation, or revelation which is reserved only for those who will prepare themselves to know and understand this type of sacred revelation. As the prophet Joseph Smith said, and he quotes from the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 308, this has been reserved from the foundation of the world to be revealed unto the Lord's people. Our opportunity to receive of those ordinances as a part of the gospel is now here, and we should all avail ourselves of this opportunity. Bill, let me ask you the question. Is what he's saying, because the temple is closed revelation, therefore the writers of the Book of Mormon weren't allowed to talk about what went on inside there? That doesn't even seem plausible, because remember, Nephi came from an Old Testament era, It was no secret what went on in Solomon's temple. Everybody knew what went on in Solomon's temple. As I mentioned, I have a blueprint right here showing what it looked like, what the construction of the temple actually looked like. It was not a secret. So if the Latter-day Saints are going to use an argument like that, at least be honest enough to admit that what you're doing in your temple and how your temples are constructed is not at all based on what we see in the Bible. Therefore, it cannot be a restoration as they tell us it is. This is problematic, especially when you consider that temple participation is absolutely essential for the Latter-day Saint if they hope to be exalted or to become a god in the next life. If they hope to be united with their family, they must participate in the temple. Russell M. Nelson, 
in a church news article titled Eternal Life Comes from Obedience to Temple Ordinances. This was published on April 7th, 2001. You can find it on page 10. Russell M. Nelson, who would later become the president of the church, he was not at this time, he wrote, Temple ordinances, covenants, endowments, and sealings enable individuals to be reconciled with the Lord and families to be sealed beyond the veil of death. Obedience to temple covenants qualifies us for eternal life, the greatest gift of God to man. He also said in a conference message, and this is published in the Ensign Magazine for May 2005, page 18, Russell M. Nelson said, speaking of God's hope for us is eternal life. He says, his hope for us is eternal life. We qualify for it by obedience to covenants and ordinances of the temple for ourselves, our families, and our ancestors. If that is in fact true, then the Book of Mormon is supposed to be teaching us the things that we need in order to obtain exaltation. Why does it not even mention temple ordinances, even in a vague way? It doesn't mention them at all. But yet we know that there were a number of temples that were built during the Book of Mormon period. But yet when we look at the teachings of Jesus when he allegedly came over to the Western Hemisphere, he doesn't talk about anything like what Mormons talk about today when it comes to participation in their temples. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.